That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. And welcome back to another Celtics Bug podcast, recording directly after the tough loss to the Lakers. As usual, it's the community calling episode, and we've already got a caller. I'm joined by Mendy. Mendy, how did you find that game, bro? Man, it was a great game up until like the final 45 seconds, bro. I was at Mark Davis, just just I came in to go. I mean, I that's a amount of garbage calls he called. I'm a, I'm like the out of bounds call from the Celtics somewhere down by one. I think it was 104 um, to 103. Then the LeBron shot and the KCP shove on which just it didn't go and get called. It's, I mean, it's just a very infuriating game, you know. It's without Kemba Walker, I mean, everything like that. I mean, Jason Tatum, I'm showing why he's going to be um, a top 10 guy I'm in the league. I mean, then the rest go and they down them. Their all star point guards um, are now playing against. Five against eight. I mean, like, come on, and got to be better, you know. Yeah, it was annoying. Um, Tatum was unguardable. I feel like Wanamaker had a really poor game too. Hayward was hot and cold in flashes. Jalen Brown's defense was phenomenal, but yeah, the refs coming down the stretch. The refs decided they wanted to have an influence on the game. They chose to influence it for the Lakers. It was it was tough. It was a tough pill to swallow. That that technical call on Brad Stevens as well was just a joke. How can you make that call? It's a bad call. I mean, Brad barely gets on rest. Um, and then when he does, you go, I mean, you give him a tech. That could end the game for the Celtics on a prime time game. Like, are you kidding me? This is exactly what you get on for, on for having um, a reputation um, as a nice guy. Um, so, um, um, so you're going to reward guys who go out um, and curse that rest um, and complain constantly. Um, and then the one time Brad goes, um, who's known um, as one of the nice guys in the league, you're going to go now um, and cost him the game? Are you kidding me? It's a joke, bro. Uh, it was, like, uh, what goes on in the ref's head? Like, if you make a bad call, you have to go off. Let the guy vent. It's just like common sense. It was a tough one, bro. I can see somebody else is calling in, so stand alone. We're all going to get a big discussion going on. What's your name? Hello? Extra person on the line? Okay, we'll go back to you, Mendy. So, yeah, it was a tough one. It was hard pill to swallow. Brad looked perplexed as well because it, I don't feel I thought at the beginning it was Tatum they were calling the tech on because Tatum looked angry. Then Brad kind of he, you see you see Brad move Tatum out of the way so he can get at the ref. <laughs> Either way though, right? Um, if it was AD um, or um, LBJ, I'll bet you five hundred dollars um, that no tech is going to be called on them. Why are you going to treat Brad any differently? Granted, he's not LBJ, but like in a close game like that. One of the top five coaches in the NBA, um, and then you're going to go on and give him a tech? Although, I have a question for you now, almost a little off, off topic. The bench has been absolutely brutal, man. Who do you, I mean, after this game, Ainge, Ainge has to call somebody. Who do, do you think uh, um, is a realistic option? I mean, like, I love IT because who doesn't? I can't stand the Wanamaker, um, if I'm being honest. Who is out there right now that could come in um, and give our bench a boost? Honestly, I don't think there's everybody that was would actually come into the team and give them a boost got snapped up as soon as they went into the buyout market. Marcus Morris, Markeith Morris, Reggie Jackson. It's um to be honest, I think you need to start looking at Tremont Waters and start calling him up. I know this would have been a big game to bring him into, and that's a big call to make when you've got Wanamaker healthy. But this matchup just but, didn't suit Wanamaker at all. He really struggled all the way through that game. 
But do you think a five nine rookie point guard would be able to um, handle a game like this? I mean, I like him and all. I don't know um, if um, my first option is I mean, like, oh yeah, I want orders off of the bench. You know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, for sure. The only other thing is, though, it, it's not as simple as making a call, right? Because if you want to bring somebody in, you need to cut somebody, and then that decision needs to be made. And maybe at that point, you have to look at the entire playoffs as a whole, and teams will go into face where matchups are going to benefit that guy that might be getting cut, or you're weakening your rotation at one position to strengthen at another. So I see, I understand. I mean, I was frustrated as well. But if you're bringing in IT, then who are you cutting to make room? Because is it going to be Javante Green? Is it going oh, to be Green? One hundred percent. I was, I was, I was about to say it. Um, because I think Romeo is taking his minutes, and number two, once Kemba comes back, um, and then Marcus comes off the bench, Javante um is just going to be pushed further back, and then he's not even going to play. So what's the point I'm of having a guy who is not going to play him on the team? Yeah, and with Javante as well, it makes the most sense because Javante is non-guaranteed for next year. Unless they, there's a point where he'll become guaranteed, that, that trigger will kind of take place and then his contract becomes fully guaranteed next year. But if they cut him now, then at the end of the year, there's no dead cap. It, it refreshes and he's just back in, as a free agent. Yeah, which is exactly why it, he is like the most realistic option. And what I don't get is everybody saw this. Celtic fans saw like, hey, Omar Best is just not that good. Deadline. I'm like, I want Bertans. I'm like, I want Bielitsa. I need somebody off bench. And it's just year after year, Danny just doesn't do anything. And, it, and it's like, why? I don't get it. I mean, because it's the fans see it. How the heck do you not see it? It's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but let's focus on some of the guys that did some good as well. So you've got Jason Tatum. How did you think of his performance? Did you, did you see it the way I saw it, where he was just eating anyway? Tonight. He's a beast, man. He's just becoming my go-to guy among the Celtics, even when Kemba Walker comes back. I mean, the best thing I'm about Kemba is he's going to go out I'm going to let Jason shine, which I love. I think it's going to become Jason Tatum's team. I mean, but um, here's I, I'm so impressed I'm with Romeo Langford. Like, his defense I mean, is great. He has his attacks to him. I am super. I am very happy with him among the Celtics. What do you think? I feel like he's coming into his own every game. You, it's a testament as well that he's starting to close out more games. I read an article about that on The Athletic. That That's his way, Brad Stevens' way of showing that he trusts him. And then to give him minutes where he's directly guarding LeBron as well shows exactly what sort of player he's going to be. He did do quite well getting to the, hoop, to the rim as well. I know he got through those two goaltending charges as well. He's pesky on D. He's reliable. He shot that deep free ball as well. That looked nice. He's going to be a good rotation player. He's definitely need, he just needs time now. He just needs time on the floor to play through those mistakes. So my question is, when Kemba comes back, I wonder um, if Romeo takes over the Warnermaker's role. I mean, Brad, I mean, he has these games I'm like, against the Sixers, but like he goes off on for 15 points. I mean, everyone gets hyped up. But then, I mean, he has these games like he just had I'm like, against the Lakers. Feel like we have more games. I'm against the Sixers. I, I mean, I'm against the Lakers, Brad, than we do Sixers when he has the 15 points and he goes off. So I feel like Wanamaker is going to be playing a different type of role to what he's asking Langford to do. He can slide Langford to the three if they're going small, or he'll play Langford at the two where Wanamaker is going to be primarily, primarily a ball handler. I feel like Langford's going to see a lot more minutes, and that will come a little bit at Wanamaker's detriment as long with Javante Green's simply because. 
Langford's earning that rotation spot far more than what those two are at the moment. And at the minute, I think that Javante Green's already behind Langford in that rotation. I feel like that was going to be the case anyway, but they had to get Langford ready, give him the G League minutes to get used to the system because he didn't have that summer yet. He didn't have the summer to work out right because of the injury. Injury, hand injury, yeah. Yeah, so then you look at like Wanamaker and Wanamaker's been solid for the majority of the year. I know he's had a tough game in this one, but over the course of the year, he's been primarily plus more than a negative. So I don't see him eating too much into Wanamaker's minutes, but I definitely don't want to see those two sharing the court at the same time too often. You just have to have Tatum, Brown, or Gordon up in the lineup because that bench just, I'm sorry, just can't score. Ozile, Grant, Brad, um, Romeo. I can't go into the playoffs knowing, oh yeah, that's going to be my bench. Especially, I'm going to lose the buff. Um, but one big point on the Celtics was um, is that I don't think that Jalen Brown is 100%. And Jalen Brown was absolutely falling on defense today. That's Jalen Brown at 85%. Just imagine on, on what he could do um, against Giannis. I mean, the playoffs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so when you're talking about the rotations to begin with and the bench being poor, I'm not too worried about that simply because the bench rotations are going to get shortened. And whenever they've been, and this rotation was pretty short as well, to be fair. But whenever those rotations have been shortened, the production's been quite good because they'll stagger. When you've got Kemba healthy as well, they'll stagger two of the four guys in the second unit. So I'm not too worried about that. My question for you is, how did you feel about Cantor getting those minutes to begin the game? Because Twitter was going off. I don't hate Cantor um, as much as every. Everyone else I'm on that app does. Because it's not like, I don't know what guys um, were expecting him in the offseason when we signed Cantor. Every loop I knew that he's going to give you, um, uh, let's say, 12 and 10 um, if he gets enough minutes. I'm using I'm him as the Tur- Turkish turnstile. I don't know why everybody hates him if that's his reputation, you know? So you bought what you got and what he's known for. So I say hate for Cantor. I mean, it's totally unfair in my opinion. Yeah, me too. He gives you as much as he kind of costs you. So he's elite on the boards. There's no denying that. I feel like he's actually been kind of around about an even keel on defense. There's times where he'll get blitzed in the pick and roll or he'll get dragged out of the paint. And that's when he's at his least effective. But if he's, if he's guarding guys on the post and they're banging in with him, he's the guy, he's the biggest buddy the Celtics have outside of Vincent Poirier that's untested at NBA level. No Rob Williams. I don't understand where people are expecting Brad to go to bring in another body to match up with McGee, Hi- um, Howard, and AD. It just made no sense 100%. to me. Why- you give me cancer, I'm over sexy pants Vinny every single day of the week. So, like, are you going to go grant them on AD? I mean, like, I would rather have cancer a lot more than Grant busting his ass, you know what I'm saying? I'm on AD the whole game. And Howard. Yeah, they're going to get eight as well down low. Like, it's okay doing it for a set amount of possessions and then switching out onto a big man. But over the course of a game, those, those blows from them, those down low bangings going to take a toll on your body when it's a guy who's so much bigger than you. So having a guy like Cantor that can absorb that contact is exactly what you need to be able to bring in in certain parts of the quarter. I got a question for you then. Um, so we were just talking about Javante Green, um, is the guy who um, could cut him on the buyout market. What do you think I'm, I'm about cutting Poirier? Because like Brad just doesn't trust him yet, at least in, in my opinion, and it's about to be March. 
So what? Um, so I think um, that he's also um, a guy who, who should watch his back. So I'm against cutting Poirier simply because of the cap hit that it's going to give them. It gives them like 2.5 million in dead cap next year with a team that's going to be so close to the, the luxury tax and they're going to be pretty much capped out regardless of what Haywood does. It makes no he's sense. He's on a two-year deal? Yeah, he's on a two-year deal. Oh, so, I thought it was a one-year deal. My bad. I, I apologize for that. No, I mean, it's one of those things. A lot of people assumed he was on a one. I feel like he's getting red-shirted this year, similar to what their Celtics did with Tice in his first year. Cutting him is going to cause more problems than it will solve when it comes to the summer and they're trying to retool the roster. It's better to try and move him even if you have to like take a second round pick or you don't really get much in return, moving him and getting him off the cap sheet that way is going to be far more beneficial than just cutting him and dealing with the dead cap. A hundred percent. But you said on what they did with Tice last year. Um, but last year we had Alan Banks. This year Tyson is our go-to guy right now. There's a big drop-off between Horford I'm at least in my opinion, I'm in Brad's system, then Horford and Baines, then Tyson and Cannon. We don't have um, um, the luxury um, of saying, hey, I'm a redshirted guy this year. You know, um, um, because we don't have the talent that could go um, and cover up for him, at least, at least in my opinion. Um, because all year, um, it's been the big guy that like I haven't been so happy with. Because I love Tyson. I think that he's doing great. Um, but Tyson, just can play all all games. A man with Rob, um, who's been constantly hurt. I mean, Canner, um, who isn't great at D. We need um that same guy. You know what I'm saying? Um, that could that could go um and take the hits. That could that could take the charges. I'm um, and be our our big man. I'm in I'm in the rotation. Last year we had that. This year we we just don't. Yeah, and that's what everybody was hoping that Vincent Poirier could be. I do think he's a step slow on the rotation. He's not as quick up and down the floor as what everybody hoped, but he is faster than Kanter, so that's a good sign. It's quite weird as well because he came into the league having dominated the European League um, last year. He finished as like a rebounding champion. He projected as a rim runner that can just catch lobs, set hard picks. He's not getting the opportunity to do that, and when he does, he doesn't impress. But again, unless you're cutting somebody to make room to bring in another body, at which point you've got five centers on the floor. Well, on the roster, on the roster, sorry, it's too much of a, it's too much to deal with. I think if Thompson agrees to um, a buyout with with the Cavs, I think you have to cut. What's what's the point of having four centers on the roster? So what you're saying, you'd, you cut, you'd, cut Poirier. you'd cut Poirier and t- bring in Thompson. You have to, um, because if you don't, you're gonna have tight. Tanner, Rob, Poirier, and Thompson. That's five centers. And you're happy with taking the dead cap to do that, and you're only going to be giving Thompson a deal, what, until the end of the year and then trying to renegotiate? After watching this game, right, I don't think the Celtics are that far. I mean, if I'm being honest with you, because I'm going to watch a game like this, right? I mean, I see JT balling. I see Jalen balling. I mean, we lose by two. I'm I'm against supposedly I'm I'm the best team in the West, and without Kemba Walker, why would I not go for it? I'm and take the 2.5 cap it. Plus we have the bird rights. I'm on Hayward. I'm and obviously we 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 could go over over the cap on Tatum. Also, in my opinion, I don't think that cap it um is as big of a deal. Maybe I'm not a cap expert, but um but this game showed to me 
of that, I think the Celtics have a legit shot at the title. So if Hayward ups in or he ups out and restructures using bird rights, then that cap hit isn't a problem. But I think it's once bitten twice shy with what happened with Al Horford and they want to make sure that they have a little bit because if Hayward walks, it doesn't fix any cap issues. The team's still completely maxed out pretty much. They'll only be picking up guys with exceptions, which is why they're being a bit tentative to cut a guy like Vincent Poirier and eat that dead cap because if Hayward decides to walk, which I think is very unlikely, but it is a possibility. If he decides to do that, they need a bit of cap room to be able to retool that roster. And that's why I think it's unlikely you see Vincent Poirier get cut or bought out any time before the summer. A hundred percent. I get that, right? Um, but if it's a 15-man roster, how can you have 35% of your roster among just big guys? And so I guess if I would do it because I believe in the Celtics this year, I, I guess, more than you do. Because I'm being because what's the 2.5 cap if we win the chip this season? I would do that all day, every day. Oh, no, for sure. I'll complete. I'm believing in the Celtics. I feel like they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the year. What I'm concerned with is you've still got to keep Tatum and Brown happy for the duration of the contracts they're about to sign. You need to be competitive then as well by making moves to win a chip now, but then kind of remove yourself from contention because you've put yourself in capturable later. You have to look at both now and then. I'd look, if they could make a move now that said, like where they cut somebody and pick up a guy that they know is going to put them over the top and they're at least getting to the finals, regardless of what happens in the finals, then you make that move. But does 100%, Tristan, yeah. But I'm not it's sure like, if Tristan Thompson's that guy. I mean, I'm not saying he is that guy. I just watched the game. I'm against arguably the best team I'm in basketball. We only lost by two when the refs messed us over and Kemba um, is out. Um, so if that's the top two team I'm in the NBA, right? I um, mean, we just held our own. I'm in prime time ABC. I'm on Sunday. It's, uh, I have, I have so much confidence. I'm in this team that, um, that I think I'm a backup big, could be a big, big team. I mean, because now we go for, I mean, to our bench, right? I mean, all of a sudden, um, it's Marcus, Thompson, Cantor, Grant, Romeo Langford. That's a much better bench, at least in my eyes, than what it is right now. But you're still lacking in bench scoring at that point. You're adding an extra rebounder and a solid def- defender, but you're not adding any scoring off, off the wing or off the guard position, which to me is more of a, an, a pressing issue than adding an extra big man. I get what you're saying, and I completely agree with the fact that Tristan Thompson would shore up some of the issues they're having, but he doesn't solve their biggest problem for me. Wasn't it LBJ at the line, um, and he missed the free throw? Um, and I think it was Jalen Brown. Um, he tried to out-rebound AD on the free throw, and then it was off Brown. So it's like if you have Thompson in there, I'm a guy with long arms, seven feet, right? And he, I mean, he grabs the board on that. It's a whole new ballgame. Oh, yeah, for sure. But if you've got a guy coming off the bench that can score 10 to 15, then they're not in a position where they need to grab that rebound. You know, 100%. But there is no guy out there right now that can give you 10 to 15. I mean, I love I, I on what he did for, uh, for Boston um, is unbelievable. I feel like there is a reason that he hasn't been signed yet. I don't, I don't know if it's because he lost the step or anything like that. I would bring him back 100%, but there's a reason why um, he's been out there ever, ever since the deadline and nobody's 
scoop them up. Yeah. But when Thompson, um, if he ever gets bought out, he would just be like Marquise Morris. He'll be, um, and he'll be picked up like that. Yeah, no, I com- no, I completely agree with what you're saying. There's more limitations to Isaiah Thomas than what there would be to a Tristan Thompson if he was to get bought out. But at the moment, he's still a Cavs player. Whether or not that decision gets made over the next few weeks is going to be something to keep an eye on. But at the moment... What's the- I got a question for you. A- after watching a game like this, who would you compare Jalen um, and Jason to? That's a good question. I mean, right now or where they're going to be? Because I like the PG and Kawhi, but I feel like Durant's game leans more towards a Durant-style player. He 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 reminds me of like a young KD with the length and the ability to put the ball on the floor. Obviously, the height difference kind of negates that comparison a little bit because KD is quite, well, a few inches taller. But just yeah. shooting form and the ability to put the ball on the floor and the two the two-way play, the way he runs the passing lanes and stuff. He reminds me of a young KD. And Jalen? Jalen's a bit more difficult, right? I mean, Jalen plays in a similar way to, to Kawhi in the terms of everything he does is rather understated. He's even killed the majority of the time, but affects the game on both ends of the floor constantly. So I'd probably lean towards him being like a Kawhi Leonard type player. What about you? Who- wow, that, that, that's a big one. Yeah, it's big, dude. I'm quite big on Jalen. I feel like he was the Celtics' best player for the first third, maybe two-thirds of the season. And then that jump that Tatum made after he got um, added to the All-Star team is really when Jalen made this team his own. But up until just probably about six weeks ago, Jalen Brown was probably the best player on this team in terms of performances throughout the year and consistency. I think that Jalen was the best player on the team up until um, he got that first thing. Injury because ever since um that ankle um he, he hasn't been a hundred percent because he then hurt the other ankle ankles is just it takes a while um to heal I don't think I'm a hundred percent right now which is exactly why my said hey I believe in this team so much because the only player that like we got right now a hundred percent healthy that could make shots them is Jason Tatum and we lost by two against the Lakers without Kemba Walker. We got Jalen on that 85%. Man, he's, I'm not going to say locking down LBJ because that's, that's impossible. Um, but he's playing great defense on, on that 85%. Um, so I'm just imagining in, in my head, I mean, I'm getting all excited. I'm a healthy Kemba, healthy Jalen, Gordon Tice, and of course, JT. I mean, like, I'll take that five against any five in the NBA. So I'm curious what your take was on Gordon Hayward through this game. I think Gordon, I mean, Gordon, I mean, goes him and he looks pass first every game, which is why I love him. I mean, the big thing about Gordon, I feel I'm, I'm that he knows when the hot guy is on, you go on and you find him and figure out a way to, um, to go on and get him open and get him the ball, um, which is why I think Hayward is so important um, because he, I mean, somewhat plays point. And he just takes over the game. I mean, he's a deadly mid-range guy. That's just what he does. I mean, he gives you the nine rebounds today, nine assists, or was it eight, eight rebounds or something like that. You know that Gordon, every, almost every game is going to give you 15, 5, and 6. And I'll take that every, every, every game. I mean, especially those I'm against the Lakers today. Obviously, I mean, if you have a guy that has 37 points halfway through the third quarter. You're obviously gonna go to him. I'm at every chance you can, 
um, which is why I think they overfed him and they tried to force, um, and they tried to force the ball to JT too much, um, which became the downfall among the team I'm in. My opinion, I'm on this game, and we only lost by two still after playing very, very, very poor. Tim, do you want to take the response to that one, my man? I caught the tail on it, but basically you were saying that Tatum was the issue here in this loss, or are you saying that was just whoa, whoa, that whoa, was whoa, a downfall? Whoa. No, 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 I'm just trying to understand. So you were saying that they shouldn't have oh, been going no, no. towards him towards the end of the game? I was saying how they were trying um, to, um, to force feed him too much um, and trying to pass the ball um, and it was making the pass bad passes, you know? Um, it's like yeah. they're talking balls okay, so out of is that, yeah, the bounds. I'm not to think it's safety's fault at all. No, 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 no. I, no. Think I was just trying to... Ball. Yeah, no, of course. I was just trying to understand where you were coming from with that. That's all. I mean, I think it makes sense to go to Tatum. It makes sense to go to Tatum, and if you aren't getting the ball to him, it's either because it's good defense or because you're not being creative enough on offense. The guy was 12 for 20 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3, and he tied a career high with 41 points. So going to him offensively is not the problem. A big chunk of what this game was is you're playing a tough team for a seed in the West on the road without Kemba Walker. You were playing heavy rotations with Marcus Smart, and you had Brad Wanamaker getting some minutes. I'm not sure as to why we did not see a call-up for Tremont Waters, but that was not really what was killing them today. Hayward was 5 for 15 from the field. He needs to be a little bit better. Marcus Smart was 4 for 11, so that's not great either. But at the end of the day, this wasn't because they were force-feeding the ball to Tatum. I think that's what they should be doing. If anything... I think they needed to try and get some better point guard play, but they were undermanned. It also didn't help that there was some really shady officiating with this game. It wasn't the reason why they lost. I mean, they were pretty stagnant for that first quarter, but they took a little while getting going offensively, and outside of Tatum and Brown, it was not really going well offensively. Daniel Tice played a great game. He was 6-for-7. He had 16 points, and he played some really great defense. But... They were down an all-star point guard, and that was very clear against one of the best teams in the West, if not the best team in the West. I agree 85% because, yes, um, you should go on and feed on hot hand, obviously, right? Um, but at the same time, you have to be very smart um, with the ball. Um, and I think um, by giving JT on um, these 50-50 jump balls with 45 seconds left um, in the fourth quarter, um, in the middle of the third quarter, um, they got very poor on with, uh, with the ball. Uh, I mean, because they just tried to force beat Tatum too much. You have Hayward, Jalen, who could go uh, um, and make their own shots. I don't think you have to force beat JT um, as much as they did today. I think they were just going with the hot hand, to be honest. I mean, but one thing I will say with Hayward, Hayward was 0 for 5 from 3. And he was struggling a little bit, and he had a couple major plays. I mean, he had three turnovers. Uh, Wanamaker also had three turnovers, and Brown had four turnovers to lead the team in terms of taking care of the ball there. So for one of your guys who's one of your best players, who's supposed to be one of the best players with the ball, he's having an off night, and they're pitting him with defense, and he's not taking care of the ball. That's why he's not going to get the ball. That's just what it waters down to. So, Mendy, did the calling sections come into an end at this point? Uh, we need to move on to the game recap section. So, thank you for calling in, bro. If you want to hit us back up next week, feel free. Every Sunday at 5.30, it was a bit later today due to the game. 
No doubt, man. It was fun. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Yeah, anytime, man. Call back next week. Will do. That was a fun team, man. Man, after last season, man, I, I'm just enjoying this one for, um, for as much as I can. Yeah, this team's been hella fun all year, dude. It's such a refreshing change to what we saw last year. No doubt, man. Have a good one. You too, bro. You too. We're going to head off to break, and when we come back, we'll start recapping and seeing if anybody else calls in. Yo, Tim, that was a tough one, huh? That game was tough. Dude, that... The one thing that stinks is like I was legitimately enjoying the game. It was, it was flowing pretty well. The Celtics, like I said, they were starting off sluggish in that first quarter, but it was it was picking up. It was going back and forth, and then it was around like that, like gold, that first goaltend call. I'm like, huh, like why are we why are we doing this today, guys? And then after that point on, the refs just kept trying to like one up themselves and how much they could insert themselves into the game. It was ridiculous. It just. It gets to a point where I feel like the league needs to look at themselves in the mirror. And we talked about this with the All-Star team, you know? We, we talked about the fact that it shouldn't have come down to free throws. It shouldn't have come down to free throws. And it, once again, was putting on display the issues that real-life NBA basketball has a, an issue with. And that is officiating. Is the officials inserting themselves into a game unnecessarily? And at the end of the day, look, like for Mark Davis and his crew, Mark Davis, I don't want to know your name. I I did not come here to go and see your game and and see you go ahead and just insert yourself into it. You know, this is the main issue that the NBA has. If this is why viewership is dying and it's you know, you ask old school basketball fans. Like my dad used to love the 80s Celtics. And so he's used to like rough and tumbles. He used to seeing the bad boy Pistons. He's used to seeing a lot more physical brand of basketball, right? And he goes ahead and he watches a game like this where it's the refs are coming in and inserting themselves at every moment that they can. And it just takes away from the entire flow of basketball. It's one thing if it were like a, a blatant foul or a blatant missed call. But it's, you know, taking a stoppage for five minutes to review a play that's pr- pretty clear cut and then making the wrong call at the end of the day. Honestly, dude, I'm furious. Um, I don't know how easier to put it than that. I'm like, trying to keep it PG. <laughs> I'm doing yo, my best, like, man. Oh, my God. Look, like, uh, yo, for real, for real. I was watching the game. I was having head of fun, you know, primetime game in England. I'm fully engrossed in, in what's happening. I've got my headphones on. I'm not speaking to anybody around me. I'm checking my Twitter when there's a break in play. And then I'm like, yo, they're actually going to win. My, like, my best friend lives in Los Angeles. Um, we were bo- we've been boys since we were like two years old. He moved out there about 10 years ago. Um, so he's messaging me like, Lakers going to whoop you. I'm saying, nah, Lakers going to lose. We're going back over and forwards with the banter. All of a sudden, he stopped messaging me because he knows that he's just going to be, be overly nasty. And it's simply because the Celtics could have won this game. It was the tech with so little time on the clock oh was completely God. unreasonable. They missed it, but like, how can you make that call? How can you tee him up like that when he's perfectly in the right? To complain about you, oh, man. <laughs> I just I, I like I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Like 
what is the what is the ref's perspective on these calls? And it's like, well, I, I kind of made this skeptical call. This was a questionable call to make. It's like, oh, I see that the the opposing coach is very upset about this. Like, this is in the Lakers' house, so of course you got to tee him up. And it's 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 just compounding an issue that is just very resolvable. Like you knew it was favoring the Lakers from when that first goaltending call when Romeo Langford got overturned as an immovable. I'm like, what the? Oh my like, god! It's come off the backboard, dude. That like it's clearly a goaltend. How can you? Oh my days! And then they tried to take time with it, like the second time around when it was on the Celtics. It's like no, 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 no. The refs made this pretty clear that that's not a goaltend. That's what they just did because they literally what forty five minutes an hour before you had the same call not go their way. I don't understand how the NBA is going to tackle this issue long term, but it's just disgraceful, man. Who we got? It's your boy Breezy. Yes, Wayne. What's going on? Wayne, what's good, man? So, Wayne, you've got one one rule on this podcast, and that's you cannot swear. If you swear, I have to cut you off, okay? Yes, sir. How did you feel watching that game, bro? Uh, Man, I, I felt like. I felt like the game overall was a great game, right? I mean, it had some bad calls, far as fouls. I definitely know we led with free throws. It was like 29 to 20 with the free throws. But, man, the calls at the end, yo, the out-of-bounds call, the, the the ball off the pinky, them the only two I really, really care about. Other than the dumb play where I didn't understand the Gordon Hayward driving it up with 40 seconds left, you know what Like, at least run. 10 of them seconds out on the clock. I don't know if he was trying to get a two-for-one or, or, or what what it was. But, uh, man, like, if that call would have just went our way, who knows what the outcome would have been. But I will say that was a clash of the Titan game. That was Sunday basketball. That that was that was a good old-fashioned uh, championship game one Sunday basketball type game, you know. Like, it was, like, perfect. It was, like, yes. Like, you had... Rising stars looking like all superstars and the regular superstars looking like mediocre stars. You know, LeBron James is still the king, maybe. He closed the game out and did what he did. But uh, overall, man, it was a great game. That, that That's what I would get down to say, yo. So for Celtic fans out there, you, you, you lost by two points in L.A. without your all-star point guard. You know what I'm saying? Like, so just, just hold your hands up. But I would like to address some things that I think we – I don't know if we could like financially do it, but I feel like if we just had that one, one consistent piece off of the bench, uh, like just one, and then maybe going into the playoffs, we'll be like we'll have a much better chance. I like our chances, period. But can you imagine having like the Jamal Crawford type, just someone that can come in and consistently get you some type of bucket? And something when when your main unit is not on the floor. Uh, but again, overall. Great game for the Celtics. Definitely um, a learning game, especially for those Tatum at 41 points, man. And uh, I don't know. How do you guys feel about him being, like, benched for, like, what he did not come in for the seventh minute mark, seven twenty four mark or something like that? And then he came in, he was kind of cold. So do you think that he was benched too long? Or, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think they adjusted really well to contain Tatum. I think that had a really large parts play of the way he performed in the last seven minutes of the game. They were blitzing him more, trapping him, getting the ball out of his hand regularly. 
Mm-hmm. And then from there, that throws you off rhythm anyway, right? Because you can't put the ball on the floor because there's two guys in front of you cutting off your driving lanes. They're forcing it out of your hands. And that alone is going to really mess with your rhythm and your equilibrium when, when running and when trying to get a play set. So I feel like they did a better job in taking him out of the game than it was him coming back into the game cold. I was all for him sitting into the rain about the sixth or seventh minute simply because the game was close. They didn't really need to start making yeah. a push, right? Mm-hmm. So you bring him in fresh as possible to make the, the biggest impact he possibly can. It's just that they adjusted really well and contained him. And that's the difference when you play these elite teams. The adjustments that they make can win the game. And I understand the refs calls basically won this game. I'm not, dis- I'm not disputing that. But that's what separates an elite team from a good team is how quickly can they adjust and how effective are those adjustments when they make them. Yeah, man, I think that's one of the advantages, uh, one of the advantages when you have the experience of LeBron James, um, on your team. It, it, he, he, this is why experience is needed, especially on teams that are young. Because if you take LeBron James and Ray Rondo, um, off, off of the, uh, off the Lakers, they're a pretty young team, right? Like, like they're still a young team. When you put those experienced players on there that have championship experience, they kind of understand what it takes to, um, you know, to adjust. Especially, I mean, look, we got 20, 20, 26 games to playoffs, right? For the regular season to end, 20, 25. So it's going to go by pretty, it's going to go by relatively fast. Matter of fact, the NBA season is going by fast. Um, and it's just like, yo, it's coming down to the crunch time and, I, I, I just want to say that this was a great game. Like, I, I can't take that away from the Lakers and I won't take, I definitely, I won't take it away from our sons. They, they balled out. Uh, Brown started off slow and then he, and then he hit, you know, he finished, he finished strong in my opinion. I, I think the issue is we don't have the bench thing guy. One, one. And, and, and come playoff time when, uh, when you start in the rotation. You know, who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Gordon Hayward? Is it going to be Marcus Smart? You know, you, you want them doing other things. I was watching your tweets earlier. You were like, yo, man, Gordon Hayward from the elbow is money. He asked that. That's the only way he should shoot the ball. You get to an elbow, beat his guy off the one dribble, pop, let it go in. That's it. Like, um, I, I definitely wanted to talk about, like, Tatum just turn on the driving mode. I don't know if he put the switch after the all-star break or what, but he says, man, put that ball down. And if you heard the commentators say at a timeout that Jason Tatum told uh, the guys, yo, don't, I, that shot was a bad shot. Put the ball down, put your head down, and get to the paint. I mean, how we've been screaming that for, what, three years? Like, like we finally are getting these slashing, uh, these slashing players, and we're watching Tatum's game go to another level, yo. I wonder if that's with the assertiveness of someone like a Kimball Walker, um, who definitely knows how to get to the paint and get those foul calls and things like that. Like so, man, this team has definitely took a turn for the toll for the simple fact that the Celtics were supposed to be like the eighth seed and maybe not even playoff contention because they were in turmoil from last season and things like that. And I love the overshadowing, the overlooking of them. Of, of the media overlooking us now and, and, you know, those analysts. And I like the fact that we're not the team. Uh, the 76ers kind of took that role and then like, look where they are now. So, like, I'm kind of loving our spot 
Um, I just can't wait to, you know, we get back home and we put a string of games back together so we can get this winning streak back because this team is going to be a problem. I don't care if they add anybody or not. This team is going to be tough to beat. The, yeah. the mentality of the of the youth is going to be tough to beat. I think so, they just get to ride the moment, momentum out while they got it. I think the big thing, yes, as sir. you said before, uh, slash into the hoop, it's the one thing that kind of hurt them this time was you only right. had one guy with some free throws, and that was really Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum mm-hmm. had 15 free throws. Other than that, nobody else. Most after that, we Marcus Smart, and he had four free throws, whereas the Lakers had two guys with 12-plus, and that was LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So that is where you miss Kemba Walker. He's a guy who's going to drive into the paint and initiate contact and get those foul calls, get to the line. Uh, you need other guys to try and fill up that void, but that was the issue there. And I think that also it bleeds into their bench, right? You know, with you have Marcus Smart starting instead of Kemba Walker, now you're depending on Brad Wanamaker to go out and play some major minutes. So it, it was a domino effect. And the big thing here, as you said, there's only 20-some-odd games left in the season, so you need Kemba Walker to be healthy. And based on how his knee is doing with the fact that he had to have fluid drained out of it and they gave him a cortisone shot, I think, they're trying to play their cards right with him and make sure he's right for the playoffs. So, so I could see somebody right else has called in as well. So do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, it's Bobby, Adam. Yeah, Bobby, how you doing, my man? Hey, how you doing? We just got off the line the other show, so I figured I'd call in. How'd you um, I'm, with How'd the you other, I'm with the other guys here on the bench. Uh, this team's bench is probably its biggest concern because uh, they put in Cantor early in this one, and it did not go well at all. I thought that was the Lakers' best stretch of the game was when he was out there uh, flowing around in the middle and they were cutting behind them. Uh, some Agreed. of those transition buckets that they gave up early were bad. It, it took them a long time to get going defensively in this one. Unfortunately, I think the guys who are going to play come playoff time, which is uh, Grant Williams, Brad Wanamaker, um, I'd probably throw Rob Williams in there, too. A lot of people are counting on him coming back and really changing things. I don't even know if he'll be able to stay healthy the rest of the way, given his track record. But that's another guy who can come in and defend. So, fortunately, when I think the rotation gets cut come playoff time, there's probably not going to be many minutes for Cantor. As much as I love him, there's a lot of matchups that are going to be hard for him uh, to stay with, especially this one. He doesn't look totally healthy to me, even though Brad has said the last few days that he's been fine. So that bench, from a scoring perspective, they don't get a lot from those guys. I think defensively those guys can fill in. And when this team's healthy, they probably won't need a lot of those guys. But we're talking now two, three months that no one on this team's been able to stay healthy. Smart got banged up again in this one, it looks like. The health of this team's concerning me because fully healthy, I think this team's top to six to eight guys are amazingly competitive and hard to match up with. But it feels like one of these guys is going to be missing come playoff time, and it's really going to be a drain on them. Because in this one, I think the biggest difference is Kemba not being out there. And, you know, I, I'm not totally dreading this loss. I'm not going to see the Lakers in the playoffs unless it's the finals, and I don't even think it's very likely that we see that as a finals matchup. Um, so I'm not sweating any losses for the West teams. I'm just a little more concerned but the fact that it seems like when one guy gets going, another guy drops and is out of the game. The health of this team this year has not been very good. And we know that. I mean, this is like 10 years running of missing a guy every playoff, uh, every postseason. So I hope they can get healthy. So far, it's not looking good on that front, which is probably this team's biggest concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the... 
I think the Kimba the Kimba knee thing though, I don't think it's as serious as, as it sounds. I think it's it's part of just regulating his health and like like my man said, it's just to get him ready for the playoff run. We did see Marcus uh land on his ankle or whatever it was, tweak something and hit but then he took a three point shot, so it was just like <laughs> hey, you know his legs must be good, you know, it's just you know when you hurt yourself real quick it hurts for his ginger for a minute and the best way to get it unhurt is to do it again. Like Yeah, so that, I, that was the second most dramatic, uh, remarkable uh, <laughs> comeback of the game. The other was when LeBron smashed to the ground after Tyson hit him, and then was just ready to go the next play. How many times I have love, we seen LeBron do that? I don't even feel like tweeting out, oh, LeBron's down, because I know he's going to get right back up. Right back up. Right back up. And it's like he hurt one time in his whole career, and that was last season, right? It, it's yeah. just – um. I just think overall, this is definitely one of those games where, you know, you can go back and watch film and you can go back and, and look and, and get better off because they, they played well enough to win, but they need to figure out why they couldn't close it out. Gordon Hayward can go back and watch that, that, that drive where, oh, maybe I shouldn't have took it. Maybe I could have dished it because he did what a, a slasher is supposed to do. He slashed. But if he could have just kicked it to somebody that might have been wide open um, in the corner or, or whatever for a better percentage shot, even though he did have his guy beat, if he just I'm trying to think, what was the score on that play? Weren't they winning? We were – I don't remember if we were up. I think we were up – I want to say we were up by one, I, I, I believe. Yeah, so, and, I mean, there was about like was a minute 40 left. Seconds. There was, yeah, yeah, there was, it was no like 40 seconds. So, and the reason why I knew there was 40 seconds, something, it was about 40-something seconds, because I kept saying, oh, we could take this down, and it'll be, like, under 30 seconds, like, something like that. You know what I mean? So, it wasn't a lot of time, and I thought we would have just, you know, passed the ball around and drained the 24-second clock. But, you know, he, he went to do that, and we would have had, they would have, they, they would have, we would have been up by three, I think, had we made that shot. And he had his guy beat, <laughs> like he did. He saw him, the matchup was good. He was on the smaller guy, and he just couldn't finish the layup. So, some things that happen, you know. It's just they lost a lot of points on the board in this one. And not only the bunnies that Hayward missed, he missed a three. Hey, this was a tough game for him from the field. But I go back yeah. to that Romeo Langford goaltending call too. I've never seen anything like that. Like they just when went back and reversed. Yeah, I, I, I can't get over that one because then we're talking about a one-point game late, and I know there's a million different things that could go different ways, but I haven't seen a call like that reversed, and it's a weird week from the refs. I mean, I go back to Minnesota, and I thought Minnesota got screwed by Brown uh, not getting called for a clear pass foul in that game. So I wasn't impressed with the refs this game for the Celtics and then the other game for Minnesota. It's been a rough season on that front, and there's been a lot of inconsistencies on quite a few different calls. That's just one moment in this game and probably a minor one, but in a game that was dominated by the officials in the final minute and a half, it's, it's worth talking about. Because usually I say, oh, they could have done this better, they could have done that better. Yeah. But there were some yeah. critical calls that I feel like the refs missed in this one that really killed the Celtics. Um, Agreed. And, you know, the Lakers missed free throws too. They could have taken advantage of that. Um, I didn't love the last shot that Tatum got off. It was late. Um, you know, of course, he committed the offensive foul on that one too. Um, it almost makes me think. I know there's a lot of talk about that Elam ending that they did in the All Star game. That's the yeah. kind of play that makes people want something like that. Like the clock runs out and it's pretty much just the clock that ended the game. 
I not a player or anything like that. And we see that a lot. Teams are coming back. Teams are trying to get the final shot off, and they screw it up because there's just so little time remaining. I, I, I want to talk about that foul because I, I, it clearly was a foul, right? Because he, he hit him. Yeah. But how much of I that think... was like a flop, though? I mean, I mean come on. The, the way the dude, the way Caldwell Pope, like, reacted, like, 30 seconds late and then did a backflip to the ground where he got his throat cut out. Of, it was just... It was just like some of it was, most of it was acting, and it was just like an inconsistent, like, you know, when a guy trying to clear space, and that's the foul. Like, you can't use your hands to, like, you know, create space, and it just hit him in the neck. But they're over, I think, I, I don't think it would have been called had he not overreacted. Like, you know yeah, what I mean? and I went back and watched it, and I, it did look like a full-on flop, but it, I think there was contact right at the beginning that initiated that. So I guess by the letter of the law, you do call that a foul, but oh, either foul. way, he didn't get it out of his hands. I, I'm hands, looking at cool. the like, I'm replaying. It didn't matter. Um, I thought the interesting call was the Davis out of bounds call because they got a very tight shot on that, and it looked mm. like it was off Davis's pinky. It was really hard That's to tell, so I, oh. I didn't kill the refs on that one because usually you say if you can't tell for a hundred percent, you keep the call. But they got a really good look at that. Like down to the centimeter, and it looked like it, it took them twelve minutes. Yeah. It, it definitely <laughs> did. Like, all right, so they showed. I believe the replay showed us two angles, right? There was yeah. one angle where it was hard to tell. There was one, the one angle that the, they initially showed, it was hard to tell. So if they were going to use that angle to not reverse the call, okay. But then there was another one where it literally was <laughs> off the light skin pinky of Anthony Davis's finger. Like, you oh my saw God. <laughs> the ball off his pinky, and maybe they didn't get that play. Maybe that's I never maybe seen the replay angle so good. It was, like, right there, zoomed in. You could see, like, the um, molecules crawling around on his pinky. They were zoomed in. <laughs> yeah, <all> that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I saw his veins on the hand. Like, it was, like, right here. And it's I'm, like, saying to myself, hand. <laughs> Yo, it, my TV must was popping 4K at that moment because I was like, oh, this is going to be our ball. The refs finally could get something right. He had a couple of bad calls go over. And I tweeted about calls. And, you know, there's one, one guy is talking about, oh, you don't cry about calls, blah, blah, blah. And I wasn't talking about fouls. I was talking about calls. Like, there's, there's other calls other than fouls. That wasn't a foul. And even though. No, that should have been an over-the-back foul by Anthony Davis. Now let's talk about this one, the worst one of the game. Brown and Tatum are defending LeBron in the post, and they call Tice on a sick foul. (laughs) That was garbage. He didn't even touch him. He wasn't even in the play! (laughs) (laughs) Now that was the worst call I've ever seen. And Stevens had to call a challenge to make sure Tice didn't get fouled out of the game. Like, are you oh. kidding me? Oh, Lord, they were bad in this one. I hate to complain about the refs, but this was one of the too, worst I've seen. Trust me, man. I'm a 49er fan in football, and I, I hate to talk about refs. So it, it, the refs are part of the game, and I get it. And I know they get paid. I know they're human, right? I get it. They make mistakes. But I'm okay with them making mistakes, especially when they can go back to watch the tape. But if the tape shows the, the, the right answer, then they have to get it right. They have to say, okay, the tape says this, unless they see in a totally different tape. Like, that's the only thing I can think of. 
But they need to get the film that we watch at home because it was clearly freeze frame off Anthony Davis' Spanky. And I'm never going to not talk about that because that is going to be my nightmare for tonight. Because that's the only reason why I felt like the Celtics probably lost that game toward the end of the game. Like, if that call gets reversed, yeah, LeBron might have hit a big game shot or and whoever. Who knows? But we still would have had yeah. control and the destiny would have been in our hands. And when the refs do things like that, like that's something worth talking about because it it, it just changes the it kills the momentum. It, it 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 changes the mindset of the players on how to play. Like yeah, they play. I scared. guess the only thing I guess the only thing I'll give the Lakers is they made big shots down the stretch, multiple yes, of them. They did. And um, yes, they did. I, the only big shot I can think of the Celtics in was that Jalen Brown three, and that was a huge one. That's what uh, gave them the lead. We were talking. Oh, about in the play. corner. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't remember a lot of big shots going in for them. And you know that comes down to Hayward. That comes down to Tatum. And my biggest question out of that fourth quarter is how could you have gotten Tatum more open in this game? He only took three shots in the fourth. Yeah, missed two of them, and then he takes that last one in the corner that doesn't work either. But I don't think that counts. Um, they weren't able to get him open. They weren't able to get him free for looks. He only ended up having four points in that fourth quarter. That was a big difference. Yeah. Hayward couldn't get going. Brown, I mean, God bless him. He was amazing battling, bumping with the bigs in this one, and hitting yeah. some big shots down the stretch. This was as good as I've seen Jalen Brown on both ends before. Uh, he picked them up big time in that fourth, but they need to figure out a way to get Tatum free. It kind of reminds me of that game seven in 2018 that he was scorching all game long, and then at crunch time, they really uh, cut him off, kept him off the ball, and, and you know, maybe they could have used a little more off-ball cutting. I got him free for some kickouts, stuff like that that we talked about with Hayward. Instead, it was a lot of him on the ball just getting like, killed with pressure. And that led to that throwaway, too, over Wanamaker's head. That was one of the big turnovers in the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, I feel like, Jason, I mean, that that's where Brad has to come in and, and challenge his other guys, man. There's four yeah. other guys on that court. Some Somebody needs to take that ball because um, like Adam said earlier in the show, he said, yo, they adjusted. The, the Lakers adjusted Tatum really well. Like, the Tatum was getting to the hole and finishing like he was a monster. Like, he was he was fingerland, rolling uh, off the back. He was, just he was getting on the line, too. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, I don't think I've ever seen Tatum play that, like, Mamba-ish type basketball to where he just felt like, hey, uh, I'm gonna be the guy today. Like I, like he was getting to the hole, and he was telling his players, his teammates, to do the same thing: take the ball, put it on the floor, get to the hole. Like I like, I love that. But like Adam said, they adjusted to him, and when they yeah. adjusted to him, you know, this is where Kemba comes in. You know, this is when not having Kemba Walker can kind of hurt you if Jalen Brown isn't gonna have that 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 mindset. All right, I'll do it. Or yeah. Gordon Hayward. All right, I'll do it. Or tight, or, you know what I mean? Like, and that's what it was. Um, and I think that's that's what kind of like hurt us. You know, take away the refs' bad calls, like you said, we didn't score enough in the fourth, and we needed to to in, in, in order to seal the deal. I mean, they're a great team, but we're a great team. So, like you yeah. said, you're not gonna hang your head low over a team over in the West that we probably won't see again until the finals, if that. But it would have these are bragging right these are bragging right games and. I gotta go to work tomorrow, and I definitely wanted to talk about myself to be in the Lakers, but um, I won't, and I have to give my students extra assignments if they bring it up. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure they're gonna bring it up. 
Yeah, that's what you need to do, do, bro. Punish them children. Yeah, Uh, that's what I do. Yeah, take it right out on them. Um, that's going to wrap us up for today. It's been running for about an hour and ten. Uh, it's also like, <laughs> oh, my it's bad. also tomorrow for me. So, um, yeah, woof. <laughs> so thank you for calling in, guys. Thank you for listening, everybody. This happens every Sunday at 5.30 Eastern, unless there's a game like today, at which point it will happen uh, after the game. Also, make sure after every game you're checking out Bobby over on the uh, CLNS post-game show. Usually I can make it there on an early game, but there was just no physical way I could do that and this one, uh, as we can see by the fact it's already tomorrow. Check us out on Celticsblog.com and on all podcast platforms. Make sure to leave that five-star review and the written rating, and we'll catch you again on Wednesday.